Every day during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street has been calling up readers and book lovers from around the world and asking them how they're coping with these strange times, what they've been reading, what they'd recommend, and what they've coming up. Today I'm joined by a genuine legend, the author of Moonheart, Malengro, Malengro, and more classics than I could possibly mention, World Fantasy Life Achievement Recipient and Worldcon Guest of Honor, Charles DeLint, who joins me from somewhere in Canada. Hello, Charles. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. It's a genuine pleasure. How are you? How are you coping with these weird times we're in? You know, well, in, in some ways, you know, for me personally, it's no real difference because I spend so much time in, inside at home, you know, writing and, and things like that. Uh, but just the, the, the stress of uh, leaving the house and seeing all the things that are happening and, uh, you know, so many people are in such dire straits, you know, it, it's, uh, it's not a very happy time. No. And also, I mean, there must be some impact. I mean, I found when I talk to people, they, they find there's an impact from just knowing that there's this fog in the world where things aren't happening. You can't do things. You can't plan the way you normally would. You're shut in against your, your will as opposed to being a, a life choice. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it as well. I mean, when I uh, was was asked if I would, uh, you know, be the be the uh, guest at the, at the World Science Fiction Convention in 2022, I mean, I was obviously honored and, and excited, and then, but I had to say to them, I, it just, it, you know, it's going to be dependent on on where health things are at the time and uh, where the political uh, issues are at the time, you know, because I mean, I don't want to travel down there, you know, down to the states if it's going crazy. Yeah, perfectly reasonable. Do you find yourself that that with all of this that you're that you're reading, you're working, that you're able to to function normally? Um, pretty much. I mean, I mean, I I just as I said, you know, I mean, that's what I do. I mean, I I write and I read and I, I play tunes, mm. walk my dog, and all those things, you know, are not not hard or impossible to do, um, or or that much different. Um, you know, where it gets weird is when you know I have to make my weekly grocery run, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, and the, the fact that you can't see anybody, you know, or or very little, you can see them like from, you know, you can go visit visit a neighbor and stand on their lawn and, and talk to them, you know. So that's odd. It sounds it. Let me ask you this then. What have you been reading at the moment? And critically, is it any good? Well, that's a very good question. Um, and, I, and I, because I have a very bad memory, I, I just, I just uh, picked, pull, pulled up a thing about my, uh, from my FNSF column, some of the things I've been looking at for that. Um, yeah. And I know that one of the things I was really excited about, and I actually don't even know why I'm, I'm so excited by is, uh, um, um, uh, Richard Cadry, is that is it Richard? Um, yeah, yeah. Richard, Richard Cadry, yeah. Cadry, okay. Um, you know, because I mean, his his latest uh, Sandman, Flynn, Ballistic Kiss. I mean, as I, I was talking about in my review, it, it's sort of all the things that I, I probably should, probably don't like, and yet somehow in hands hands I do. You know, I mean, it's the anti-hero. It's ultra violent. It's uh, uh, it's crazy, crazy. On the other hand. Uh, there's, there's, you know, the, the characters have all this incredible loyalty to each other, and there's always, even underneath all that violence and weirdness, there's a, there's a huge amount of hope as well, and uh, so that's what I was really excited about you know, reading that one. Mm-hmm. Um, what other kinds of things? I liked Kevin Heron's most recent one, Ink and Sigil. It's, uh, it's just an, an interesting. Uh, 
it's it's set in his Iron Druid world, but it's it's got um, it's you know aside from that, and uh, the characters are fun, interesting magical system, and, and it's one of those books that I like I like humor in a book, but I don't like that to be the point of the book. I like mm-hmm. really good characters and really good plot, and then if it's funny on top of it, great. And this is one of those books that you know it has the wonderful characters. A uh, very interesting plot and, and magical system set up, but it's super funny at the same time. Cool. Yeah. Actually, let me ask you. I mean, you've been re- you've been writing in in the field for forty years nearly, mm-hmm. and obviously reading uh, for a long time. D- does fantasy still motivate you as a reader? Does it still intrigue and uh, activate your imagination? It does and it doesn't. You know, uh, I get a lot of books sent to me. You know, for the FNSF column. And sure. I can often tell like within one, two chapters, whether I'm going to actually read it or finish it simply because you, you see, you see the same thing over and over and over again. That's yeah. it. Um, there are always like wonderful, interesting books constantly coming out. Um, and, uh, or just even just, a, just interesting little variations on them. Like there's a uh, Melissa F. Olson has this old world series that she writes. And, uh, she also has a Patreon, which I I found kind of odd that that writers have Patreon, but it makes perfect sense. And uh, she'd been writing this this sort of diary of one of her characters on Patreon. And what I liked about it what was interesting is that I've never before seen an urban fantasy uh, where the the main characters have a newborn to take care of, and so there's so there's all the kind of weird magical adventure stuff, and then there's all the kind of things of dealing with a kid. And everything that goes with it. So little variations like that always, you know, you know, fascinate me as well. If I can run across them or find them, I also read outside the genre a lot. One of the books I'm reading right now is uh, by a woman named Tiffany Midge. It's called "Bury My Heart at Chucky 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 Cheeses," and it's just a okay. book of sort of anecdotes and and vignettes and things that she writes. She's a native writer, and uh, yeah. super funny, but also you know at the same time. Um, you know, touches on a lot of really important issues as well, especially how they relate to native people. Excellent. Well, let me ask you, these are strange times for everyone. Uh, I have been asking people what they would recommend to people at times like this, whether, you know, for, as for reading, whether it would be something uh, immersive, something comforting, something challenging. Is there a particular kind of thing you'd recommend to readers right now? You know, I think it, it's, um, I used to work in a record store and I worked a little bit in a bookstore as well. And I always found that the best idea, like when you're talking to somebody about what they should be reading is, I mean, you do want them to expand their horizons, but at the same time, mm-hmm. um, it's really important that it touches them and, and, and uh, is important to them. You know, like when I, when I ran a record store, I used to always tell my staff, you know, I don't care how, how much you dislike the music the, the person's asking for. To those people, mm-hmm. it's great and it's doing something for them. So just you know, accept that and uh, you know keep keep that opinion to yourself. And so I mean, when you hear the word guilty pleasure, for instance, it kind of bugs me that word because it shouldn't be guilty. I mean, if something brings you pleasure, yeah. you should you know, and it's not harming anybody. You know, what's wrong with going ahead and enjoying it? So that's that would be my suggestion. Just you know, you already know the kind of books you like to read and. Uh, See if you can find more of them. And, and also maybe 
you know, go to a bookstore or go to a library and ask the librarian and see if they can recommend something else that's, you know, similar or, or not necessarily even similar, but like uh, might give you the same buzz, you know? Yeah. They're very good at that. Do you think we spend too much time telling readers what they should read rather than just encouraging them to explore widely and find new things? I'm not sure. If, I, I try not to do that. One of the things I like yeah. about my, my column at that, uh, FNSF, and I inherited the title, but it's just called Books to Look For. And so it's yeah. just, and I don't review, I don't review bad books. I mean, I don't, I'm not like completely Pollyanna about it. I, I'll, I'll pick things, I'll pick at things. And I think over the hundreds of books I've reviewed, I've maybe like, you know, really gone after a couple because they just irritated me so much. But mostly yeah. I don't want to read a bad book. And so therefore, if I can't, you know, finish the book, then I'm not going to review it. Um, and so I, I really like this way of, of recommending books that I think that are worthwhile for you to look for. And I, I try to look outside the genre as well, um, just because wonderful stuff that's published outside or just sort of slightly adjacent to. And uh, reader feedback is good, so I'm happy about that. But no, I don't think we should ever be saying you should read this. This is, this is like when you, you go over to someone's house and you see uh, whatever the current number of <laughs> sellers are, are on their coffee table, you know, it just makes no no it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Read what you like. I know, I know what you mean. I was always intrigued by the idea that more people bought Umberto Eco's The Name of the Rose than ever read it, regardless of the wonderful qualities of the book. There was a feeling that was the book to be seen reading, you know, which always struck me as, as strange, but still, yeah, very much. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um, it is a busy, strange time, and obviously you've been saying that you've been working, which is great. What do you have out in the world? I know that The Wind in His Heart came out a couple of years ago, uh, and it was a wonderful book, but what's happening with you uh, in, at the moment? Um, well, we're still going mostly independent, and that slows everything down. So while, uh, while people – my wife, Marianne, was editing and working on Wind in His Heart, and then it was going through various other readers and proofreaders and things. Um, I was just I was just writing a bunch of books, and what I was writing was, I, people often say that I'm like the, the father of, of urban fantasy, but when I look mm -hmm. at urban fantasy, I don't don't see anything of myself in there at all because I don't write books about you know private eyes or witches or vampires or you know that's what's happening with urban fantasy. And I'm not saying that in a disrespectful manner because I, I enjoy reading quite a lot of it, you know. Um, but yeah. while, while I was waiting for, for that to happen, for, you know, for, for me to be able to get back to the wind in this heart and do, uh, my rewrites, I just ended up writing a bunch of, um, of, of trying to see what it would be like if I wrote an urban fantasy. So I wrote, I wrote mm -hmm. a bunch of those and I'm just in the middle of, uh, right now, um, doing the, the, the final, final edit on, on the first of them and trying to figure out how to do a cover and things like that. Um, and, and I've also been putting up some old books, like, you know, because we kept the e-rifes e to uh, all yeah, of my, yeah. lot, most of my material. And so I've been doing that, putting up the odd story as well. I will say I'm intrigued, genuinely intrigued, that you look back at your work and don't see the immediate connection. I mean, I realize there's a modern idea of urban fantasy. But when I think back to when I first encountered your work, when I pro it was probably Moonheart first, then Riddle of the Ren was the order that I read them in, and then Yarrow and Malengro. 
And those books, as you built out the world, uh, built out Newford, seemed in- intensely of an urban location. And to me, that was what made them that, you know, that sort of original flush of urban fantasy, that group of books that Terry Windling uh, shepherded through Ace, of which, you know, these were part, you know. Uh, seemed, it seems very much like that, that they were an integral part of that. But it, that didn't resonate for you as, a, as something that was what you were doing? Um, well, not really. But just to, to make a slight correction there, all the titles that you mentioned were all set mm-hmm. in Ottawa or around Ottawa. And the Newford books yeah, sure. after that. And yes, they are urban and that they're set in an urban setting. But I guess the, the uh, definition has changed. So... Mm-hmm. So the definition of what an urban fantasy is now is not anything that, that like what I've written in the past. But I was curious about it. So you know, that's the, I was curious to see if I could, if, what I could do with it, and if I could have fun. And I actually had a great time with it. So uh, first readers are happy. So I guess we'll in a month or two we'll find out whether my general readers will be happy with it. It's also returned to Newford, which I haven't been back to for a decade, probably. Yeah, and uh, so like a good city well, to have. Well, these new urban fantasies will come out hopefully what next year. You'll start with those. I'm hoping to get the first one out this year. But as I said, it's really uh, you know I love the, the having done it independently for a while now. I love it um, because there's no deadline, no pressure. But on the other hand, you know there, you want to make sure that you're giving people absolute best quality. So there's all these, of course. these you know proofreaders and first readers and all this kind of thing it has to go through and even something as simple as a cover um you know uh, uh, just i'm challenged because I'm, I'm i'm i can do do uh sort of sketchy art you know i can go out and yeah. kind of sit in the field and draw a bunch of trees and things like that and i love doing that but to do something it's a whole different art form to do a book cover and uh you know i don't feel up to it and uh, i'm still kind of just Trying to figure out what my vision is, and uh, and how I can can bring it, you know, to to the cover. So that's that's what's holding things up mostly right now. You've been publishing, you know, control, you know, controlling some of your own publishing since back when Triskel Press was very active. So yeah. I'm curious with with um, the wind in his heart. You took a more um, overt control of the publishing process how are you are you finding it are you enjoying being in control of your work that way yeah very much so and, and it was really fun with winning his heart because uh uh i have a great agent um uh russ galen and uh mm-hmm. he's been very very uh, uh patient with me <laughs> as i'm working thing. <laughs> but but he's been in the business for a long time and he's as he said to me you know he says you know i, I don't need to make a whole pile of money you know i've 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 done okay and I'm just really curious as to where this is all going to go as well. So when I put out The Wind in His Heart as a trade paperback and as a digital book, I then gave it to him. And and he did he got the, the hardcover deal with uh, um, PS Publishing in England, and he got a nice deal with uh, for the audiobooks. And so it was that was kind of a hybrid. And I and I kind of like I kind of see that maybe happening in the future as well. Because I, I definitely want to keep, you know, Russ in the loop as well. And, uh, but I like, I like the fact that I don't have to deliver something, uh, at a, at a specific time and that I can write whatever I feel like writing. Sure. Well, let me ask, I mean, if it's not too much, what's the, is there a title for the first, first book in the new series? At the moment, I'm, 
I'm and I'm probably going to stick with this. It's just called Juniper Wiles, which is the name of the main character. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, it's as I said, it's just basically trying to trying to see if I could do an urban fantasy the way they do them now. But, but I said it in, in Newford, so you know my readers are like Newford will be happy that they'll see lots of old faces. Uh, new readers won't be thrown off because because uh, there'll be introduction. You know, they'll get introduced to them in, in a. Yeah. The same way as as the main character gets introduced to them all, so it's one of those. Well, I'm eagerly looking forward to Juniper Wiles personally as as a longtime reader. The Wind in His Heart is out in bookstores everywhere and is available online. But for the moment, Charles Lint, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me today. I genuinely appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. It was great talking to you as well. <laughs>